Hello, welcome to Jersey Head Podcast. My name is Dr. Rufaro Mucheka. I will be your host for this episode. I am the business development lead at Jersey Finance for Africa and focusing on South African market. I'm really pleased to be joined today by Tanya Gonzalez, Ni Fanlil, former SAFCA CEO. We are going to be talking about capital raising in South Africa in this podcast series. I'll be joined by female leaders from across the African financial services landscape and each of them experts in their fields. Tanya, welcome and thank you for joining us. Please tell our listeners a bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Farah. It's so great to be here. Always lovely to speak to you and engage with the Jersey Finance team. Um, a bit about myself. So maybe we can start off with the new surname. It's Gonzalez. Um, it used to be Tanya von Lil. got married last year. But it's such an admin nightmare that I'm slowly but surely changing my, my surname to Tanya Gonzalez. A little bit about myself. I don't historically come from private equity and venture uh, venture capital. Um, a lot of people assume so, but I'm, my expertise actually lie in human behavior um, and how adults learn. With my last role in academia being the head of academics at Gibbs Business School. But since 2017, I was uh, really Part and parcel of the private equity and venture capital industry when I became the CEO of SAFCA, uh, and I absolutely fell in love with the industry, and specifically on the African continent because I saw the positive impact that the industry makes and continues to make. Um, and after five fulfilling years at SAFCA, um, it was time for me to spread my wings, and I took on the role as head of investor relations and impact at Metia, a pan-African private equity firm here, based in South Africa, but also with offices and presence in Mauritius, London and Kenya. On a personal note, um, besides for um, a new hubby, I also have a beautiful son, two very busy dogs, and my hubby is a strength and conditioning coach, and that's how we actually met. I, I was a South African powerlifter, and he makes sure I keep my body fit, and I make sure he keeps his mind fit. Wow, what a decorated CV. And, you know, this is what we call, you know, a balanced life, uh, Tanya. On that note, uh, taking gender out of the equation, how would you describe the current landscape in South Africa in relation to capital raising? It's tough out there, Rufaro. It's very difficult specifically for a South African fund manager to fundraise, regardless if you're an established or an emerging fund manager. Um, selling the SA Inc. narrative is very difficult given the current economic climate. Um, in South Africa, we're facing uh, increased inflation, necessarily at the same rates as other more developed countries, but our inflation is increasing. Well, our rand is weakening, so um, there's lots of uh, forex hedging and risk being taken. There's low GDP growth, which also expedites or um, makes the high unemployment rate even that far worse than it already is. I heard on the news yesterday that 900,000 matriculants are starting their final exams in South Africa. And I really got this knot in my stomach, but not about the exams or the thought of exams. As a lifelong learner, I actually love an exam. But the thought that these 900,000 matriculants are going to be expecting to find jobs soon. And as a country, I'm not sure we can deliver on their expectations. And, and that makes me anxious. Other sort of frustrations or, or difficultness in terms of fundraising and what's happening currently in South Africa is COVID has set us back by more than two years. But in South Africa, the last 18 months or so, we, we faced other kinds of setbacks. And specifically in the province that I currently live, KwaZulu-Natal, 
In, in July 2020, we experienced the riots. Um, in April and May 2022, we experienced flooding. And these, these sort of incidents together with COVID really showed the vulnerabilities and the constraints on, on our infrastructure. There's also a decline of trust that we're seeing between government and business, and there's a decline in trust in the media. But interestingly enough, there's an increase in trust in business, um, especially if you look at the Edelman Trust Barometer for South Africa for 2022. But there's definitely still a trust deficit between business and government and something that would need to be looked at if we want to succeed as a country. As with any country, South Africa is competing for capital with the rest of the world. There's this notion that South Africa is stuck in no man's land. We're not attractive enough for commercial capital, especially if you take it back to dollar-based returns. But we're also not needy enough for development capital. We're seeing a lot of development capital being raised by East and West African countries. And a lot of commercial investors are showing an interest or appetite to North, North Africa, which sort of leaves South Africa and Southern Africa a little bit stuck in the middle. But there's still ample opportunities to invest in South Africa. The, the trick, though, is matching the appetite of the capital that is available with the right investment or fund mandate. And that's not easy to do. So although it's much easier to sell the impact and development narrative in South Africa and elsewhere on the continent, what is difficult is to make sure that we get that dollar-based returns and performance is definitely high on the agenda for investors. And that's what makes fundraising very difficult. You know what, Tanya, you have just touched on the matrix that have started writing their exams and especially the perspective of them being unemployed in South Africa. And I think this is where the uh, private equity venture capital uh, industry can really help, you know, in inspiring some of their entrepreneurial side of the business. We just hope, I think from my side, you know, if a lot of these um, matrix are taught to be entrepreneurs, not necessarily waiting for someone to give them a job. I think if you inspire more entrepreneurial spirit on the continent, uh, I think that can really help even reduce unemployment because now they will be employing even more and more other people as well. My next question is, as the former CEO of SAFCA, you had a good understanding of the lay of the capital raising landscape in South Africa. Working with fund managers, we're trying to raise global capital for their businesses. What are the experiences of these fund managers like among your network? What are you hearing about jurisdictional choices today, in the last year, pre or post uh, uh, the pandemic? Uh, thanks, Rafa. I think what's more important to start off with, what does a, where does the capital come from? So if, if South African fund managers raise money, where does the money come from? So if I, if I use South Africa as the proxy, um, let's say, for the rest of the continent, and if I look at the, the latest or the last five years of the SAFCA Annual Private Equity Industry Survey, most of the capital has been coming from offshore, with more so we're seeing local capital showing an interest in specifically instruments like private equity and infrastructure. But a lot of the offshore capital are much more comfortable and familiar with private equity and infrastructure as asset classes, and a lot more willing to invest in these asset classes. However, it's now about making them willing to invest in the region. So they're very comfortable with the asset classes, but it's how, how do we get them comfortable with South Africa and Southern Africa as an investment destination? But if you look at South Africa, and I suspect it's the same across the continent, there isn't enough local capital 
when fund managers go out and fundraise. In, in my five years at SAFCO, what I saw is that in the first few years, it was really about educating the pension funds about what private equity is, why invest, et cetera. But towards the end of my lifetime at, at SAFCO, the conversation changed from why and the, the narrative in terms of what it is to more now, how do I do it? So there, you can see there's a bigger appetite about from local fund investors to invest in funds, but there is still a need in terms of conversations and basic education to help crowd these local investors in. So until there's a bigger pool of, pool of local pension funds and local investors investing in their own backyard, uh, there's going to be a huge need to raise capital offshore. And this is where selecting a jurisdiction is so very important for fund managers and for limited partners or LPs um, for short. If I look at what's important for LPs and, and Jersey Finance actually brought out a really interesting research uh, product for this in 2020, where it really looked at what are the jurisdictional choices for LPs. What it comes down to is, do the LPs understand the regulatory landscape or framework of that jurisdiction? So how well known is it for them? What is the quality of the local service providers? Is it on the EU blacklist or not? That's very important for, for LPs to take into consideration. Uh, how are the tax treatments, so tax neutrality, et cetera? And it's very similar for the, the fund managers as well. But for the fund managers, what's also important element is cost. How much is it going to cost me? Because what I've seen locally is that fund managers tend to raise local denomination or local currencies. So in South Africa, it would be the South African rand, but they're also raising offshore. So they need US dollar-based um, fund structures. And sometimes they have to run these fund structures um, simultaneously or concurrently. And it can be very costly if you have to do both. These multiple fund structures, they need to cater for the local currency and the local investors, but also for the international or offshore investors um, who invest on a US dollar base. So quality of service, cost, and tax neutrality is very important considerations that I've seen for fund managers when making decisions about a jurisdiction. Thanks a lot, Tanya, for this. And I think this is why, if you look at Jersey Finance, we are really, you know, we now have a presence in South Africa uh, so that we can be able to, you know, to share more insights, especially for those fund managers that are considering offshore. Uh, we, we are actually a member of uh, SAFCA as well, and we do participate uh, in a lot of activities that is done by SAFCA in South Africa so that we can really create awareness on YJZ. Uh, the other thing that, you know, we are really looking forward to is we actually have a roadshow at uh, end of November and early December where we are going to have some activities in Johannesburg as well as in Cape Town. So we are really looking forward to especially fund managers that are considering an offshore, you know, structure to come and listen to us. We do have experts that are going to travel all the way from Jersey uh, to be able to share more insights on why Jersey. Uh, on that note, uh, thank you, Tanya, for joining us today. That was my final question and concludes this episode of Jersey Head. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Jersey Head and follow us on our social media channels. Thank you.